Welcome to the Bible Talks with Josh and Heather. We're Josh and Heather Tice, and we minister to and lead the Southern Hills Baptist Church in Las Vegas. We love each other, love theology, and love to talk. So if you want to hear more about theology and the Bible, this is the show for you. Okay, so we always get started with a little bit of fun. So Heather, let's get to it. All right, I'm ready. Okay, Josh, for our fun question today. Okay, go for it. All right, this one's going to be a tough one, maybe, because you might feel like it's being a bit prideful in your answer, but it's not. Okay. Because we recognize that anything good in us is not from us or of us. I'm not a prideful person. (laughs) I know you're not. So it's But it could be perceived because the question is What? What would your family say is your best quality? Oh, there's so many. Um, it's a good thing I'm not prideful because I really would struggle with answering this question with a sense <laughs> of false humility. But what would my fa- my family say is my greatest attribute? Yes. Uh, top 10? No, just one. Oh, we just, just one. need one. Because I have so many. <laughs> but thank you for being ready um, to okay. share that. Well, well I, I wasn't prepared. I just, this is all in the top of my head. Um, <laughs> I would say that my family, my family as in you and the children or my extended family as in your family and my family? It's a vague question on purpose. Oh, boy. Uh, (laughs) My family, my children would say that my greatest attribute is uh, I know how to have fun. My wife would say my greatest attribute is my stellar good looks. And my my, my extended family would say my greatest attribute is my unwavering, sympathetic compassion for other people. And being so um, uh, not focused on myself. <laughs> no, my family actually, my family actually sees me in a very different light than that. Uh, we joke about it quite a bit. That is my extended family. No, uh, I, I think they would probably say my greatest attribute would be um, uh, dedication to the work of God. Probably. Okay. What about you? Well, my answer is not as exciting as yours, but I think. It involves imagination and creativity. Okay. So, and that's one of the things I'm most thankful for. So the Lord gave me an imagination because absolutely, it is such a valuable thing. Well, it's, it's something that... Your imagination has not just helped our home with the incredible events and things that we do and family time, but it helped our church. So where there's a void of creativity uh, in moments, you come in with creative solutions to big questions of like, what are we going to do next when it comes mm-hmm. to big ideas? So, uh, yeah, your creativity has, has not only blessed within our local home, but our local church as well. Yeah, so I'd say imagination. Now, would you creativity. say that imagination would be recognized by your your family that you grew up with? I think so, because I was very imaginative. I don't know if they, I don't think they saw it as a weakness, but I don't know if they would see it as a great strength. They probably would have said, I don't know, dedication to God or something, you know, willingness to stand alone or something when I was younger. Yeah. But for me, a, a lot of it, I think it is a great strength. And I think that's what I was considering this, you and the kids. Yes. And definitely one of the things I see is the things that the Lord has put within me. And I'm so thankful for it because um, I'm just thankful for it because it's fun. <laughs> it's not even <laughs> about ministry and stuff. Yeah. I just like having an imagination. I think you miss out on so much when you can't, Think beyond what's in front of you when you can't daydream, when you can't, you know, envision fun things and play out fun scenarios. And so, yeah, 
I love having an imagination, and that does flow into creativity, which I would say the, the girls talk about and Jonathan. So yeah, yeah, I would agree. Very cool. All right, That's now it. look. When it comes to being imaginative, you came up with this concept for this uh, this podcast specifically, this episode, and it's about imagining the greatest books that we've read. Yes, uh, and talking about nice the, transition. Right, Woo. I'm trying. I'm trying to uh, get better. See, at that's that. your grace quality, smooth speaker. Right. So. <laughs> Um, okay, so we are talking about books today, and specifically the five books that we like in different categories. So, uh, yeah, so your you're getting your top book in five different categories. Right, and I love this one. This is great. We both love to read. We do. That's something that draws us together and that we love about one another. And, we're readers. And we've grown quite a bit through these books. So you wanted to begin with this concept of the best book on prayer that, yes. that, that I've ever read. So my question is, do I go first or do you go first? You go first. Okay. Best books. Uh, book on prayer. I would say the first one that I read that really helped me quite a bit was Prayer, Asking and Receiving by John Rice, which mm. is a classic. Um, fantastic book. Um, and you can still get copies, I believe. Uh, I believe their publisher still prints copies to this day. Then the book that took me to the next can level. Can I say really something about me. asking and receiving before you go yeah. on? That book I read it years and years and years ago, and that is a book I'd recommend if you are new to the faith, especially. I mean, not that you can't get stuff out of it as a mature believer, right? But sometimes prayer is very overwhelming, and it's almost scary to new Christians I've yeah. talked to. And this book breaks it, it down and it, simplifies right? it, asking and receiving. It tells you biblically, explains scriptures about prayer, helps you understand what prayer is, and I think gives you a confident pathway into prayer. I totally agree. Uh, so I would say prayer, asking and receiving. What is prayer? Very simple. Then yes. oh, that that book has so much to do with speaking to God. Mm-hmm. And then the question is, I needed help understanding and hearing from God. Now, I am I believe that the primary way that God speaks to us is through his written word, uh, his holy scriptures. But I also believe the holy that God speaks through his Holy Spirit. Yeah. And uh, and developing that understanding in prayer was very much help to me uh, help to me through experiencing God by mm-hmm. Blackaby. That Experiencing God was very helpful in me putting my mind around how do I hear from God? How do I get involved with where God is already working? And how do I take those uh, those steps and, and really hearing the voice of God and determining? So throughout my life, I can point to even in, in recent weeks, specific moments where the Holy Spirit, I believe, spoke to my heart to, to do this or say this to this person mm-hmm. or uh, or to get rid of this or to stop that or whatever it might be. And to stop and be able to distinguish the voice of God among the other voices is really, really important. You know, that's interesting because that's one of my favorite books, but I would have put it, I think, in some kind of different category. I probably would have put it in a category on best book on the Holy Spirit (laughs) or something like that. Because for me, it did make its way onto my prayer list. I had just been studying Moses about that time. And then also reading that book, it just further, it was the Lord, you know, when he just puts things in your life together, they go together. I had already been studying this and the Lord was trying to get me to this point where I realized my need of relying on the Holy Spirit and hearing from him and and listening to him. And that's when I began to change my prayer list from that book and the study of Moses to Lord, let me hear your voice. Right. Help me to listen to you above all the noise around me. That's literally what I say almost verbatim when I pray. It's on my list. But that wouldn't have gone in prayer for me. In fact, do you know, you know which book I'm going to say for prayer? My top book in prayer. Can you guess? Uh, you're going to say Circle Maker by yes, Batterson. Yes, I am. Woo, yep, I marriage points right there for you. It's a great book. Yes. I love this book. So I actually have read it twice. Yeah. And it's one of the only books that I have a goal. I think I need to read it at least every two years. 
It's it's if you haven't read Circle Maker as a book on prayer yet, you really do need to go order it on Amazon and get it as soon as you can. Yeah. This book will revolutionize your prayer life, and I've seen it work with Heather uh, so well. And what's I'll your tell favorite you, concept that you got? From well, that's that book? what I was going to say. What it helped me with is the concept of a prayer list. So I believe there's two different aspects of prayer. I think there is what Thessalonians talks about that is the continuing instant prayer, never praying without ceasing. Right. Say. Um, I think that is the idea of keeping the line open. I'm always so aware that the Lord is with me. And I mean, I will talk to the Lord about anything throughout my day as I'm driving. You know, he'll put some in my heart. I pray for that person. We'll laugh about something together. You know, there's there's um, that fellowship. That prayer time, almost some people have compared it to texting. It's yeah. just a conversation. It doesn't quite ever end. Yeah. Um, so I, I've always had that and been strong in that aspect of prayer. Never been an issue for me. But I have struggled over the years with the idea of a prayer list. Yeah. And when I read this book, it really showed me that idea that the psalmist puts forward about laying out your request before God. And I was so challenged by all that I was not asking for and all that I was not seeing God do from this book. So I began, and here's my tip. If you're doing a prayer list, if you say that's something I've struggled with, don't do what I did for years. I would write out huge prayer lists for everyone and their mother and world peace and world hunger and everything. And I would get so overwhelmed that I would never complete it. So I began starting the habit literally when I began reading this book, and I don't even think he addresses this in the book, um, but I just began with prayer list for me. And there was a lot on that yeah, list because yeah. Heather has a lot of need. I, I need mercy. I need to hear from God. I need to be, uh, I need wisdom. You know, I need to be, uh, there are things as a mother. I have a whole list under motherhood. God help me to be this kind of mother, this, this, this as a wife. Mm-hmm. There are things I pray for. So I literally just started with me. You weren't even on there. Sorry, yeah. honey. That's first. First and, and foremost I, is I really. I made it a habit. Yeah. I prayed through that. And then I added you. You were next. <laughs> you know, it's funny. <laughs> and then the kids. It's funny and so you on. talk about that because I think when we're teaching new people to pray, um, there are times where people are like, well, uh, don't pray for me. In fact, we'll ask new Christians, hey, do you have any prayer requests? And they'll say, yes, just pray for nothing for myself, nothing for myself. Just <laughs> yeah. pray for the world peace and pray for uh, just other things. And and that's not maturity. That's really immaturity when it comes to the Christian life. The very first thing to pray for is you and your relationship with yeah. God. Because if you are not where you need to be, you're not going to be able to be a help to others. So and those I, things, by the way, will make it onto your prayer list eventually. Yeah, yeah. It's been exciting to me to see the things that God will bring into my spectrum, into my view, that I begin praying for. And um, But it helped me get the essentials. It helped me get more habitual in my prayer life Yes, and to strengthen my prayer, li- my prayer list specifically. So I'm trying to read that book every two years because I need to be challenged in that. I need to be refreshed in that. All right. So the next category you put is your identity in Christ or relationship yes. with God. So, so what what was yours? I went first last time. Okay. You go first this time. This is one of the categories. I only do it twice where I have to name two books. Okay, go. So you've got to forgive me, listeners. I'm going there to forgive. The first one was one I read, oh my goodness, about nine years ago now. And it was the first thing I'd read by this author since I've done several of her Bible studies, Beth Moore, and she did a book, So Long Insecurity, You've Been a Bad Friend. Mm. And um, a lot of it just met my need in the moment and helped me draw close to God and find my security in Him. And that is a powerful book. In fact, I just recently heard there is a version for teen girls. A mom I know is doing that with her teen girls. They're doing it as a study together. So I've already got that on my list as part of my discipleship and motherhood that I will be taking Savannah and Scarlett through so long insecurity. 
um, for teens as they get a little bit older. So that well, was a well, big one well, for me. Well, we love Beth Moore. What's the other one? The other one is Crash the Chatterbox by Stephen Furtick. Yeah, yeah. And that book. was one, that was the one that uh, some of you uh, from Southern Hills may have heard my husband preach about this, that I kept sharing quotes from that book from my husband. And yeah. we would be driving, but there were so many good thoughts. It's along the same type of principle. It's, it's finding your identity in Christ, not listening to all the other voices around you that are telling you who you are right. or what you should be, even your own voice. Most often that's the one we listen to yeah. in our own hearts. Jeremiah tells us they just, it's deceitful. Our hearts lie to us. We may tell ourselves something that's not true. So crash the chatterbox of all these voices and listen to the one that really matters. Great book. What about you? Love it. I would say The Grace Awakening by Chuck Swindoll was a oh, huge help to me so good. in so many ways. Um, so it really is a book that um, helps the individual walk through this concept of grace and how it leads to holiness and how it leads to a spiritual walk, but really what it, what it means to avoid legalism, what it means to avoid uh, attitude of spiritual superiority and how to avoid that not only in your personal life, but in your church. And so The Grace Awakening was a great, great resource to me. Deeply theological, soundly biblical, and personally helpful. I remember when you read that, and I would dare say that if you had to, and I hate having this kind of challenge, but if you had to do your top five all-time books, that would probably be in your top five. Absolutely. So good. And I have one more statement to say. There may be authors and things that you don't like, like Beth Moore. We can still be friends, but if you hate Chuck Swindoll, we can't be friends anymore. That's right. There are people that hate Sorry. on him, and he's like the nicest. He and his wife, they're happy, <laughs> loving, God-fearing people, and I just don't know how anyone could not like them. I love them so much. So, Chuck, if you're listening, we love you. <laughs> Throw out that right there. That's okay, so what about your book, Josh? The best book you've read for marriage or family, let's say. Okay, so Tim Keller wrote a book called The Meaning of Marriage, and mm. that helped me tremendously. It really deals with marriage from a theological standpoint and not as much of a practical standpoint, but because it deep deals with it from a theological standpoint, I think it, it seems to be, for me at least, um, more long-lasting, understanding the deep meaning of marriage and why God brings two people together. Uh, there was so much practicality, and I was surprised by how much practicality there was in the meaning of marriage for single people. That's what I was going to say. If you're single, this is a great book for you. It's the best book on marriage for single people, and uh, primarily because he pastors in a community uh, where uh, over 50% of his congregation are single, and so he deals with marriage from a single's point of view, and it's helped me tremendously in dealing with single people in our church and explaining what is the purpose of marriage, what is the meaning yeah, of marriage. Yeah, that may sound like an odd recommendation, but that's exactly what I was going to follow up on. We read this book together. Mm. And I agree, it is, if you're just saying marriage, it is the best book we've read on marriage. Very practical. But again, I would say almost half of the book is just for singles. Right. Mm -hmm. And it is phenomenal. And so if you are single and have not read this, you really should. It's not going to gear you away or from marriage. It's just perfect. It centers you in Christ, deals with a lot about the meaning of marriage. So that's great. For marriage and family, I went a little bit broader for my pick. I went with a book that, and I am just finishing it up, but I think I'm close enough to the end to count it as being read by me. <laughs> so it is Peacemaking for Families by Ken Sandy. Mm. And it's funny because uh, the lady that um, does some training and counseling who I've studied under, she recommends this book sometimes to people she's counseling. But I've heard her say this two or three times before I started reading it. She'll say, oh, but it's now if if they're not a reader, it's going to be a dry book. It's not really? going to be it's going to be a hard one to get through. Just push through because the principles are so good. And I got to tell you, 
Not I true. don't read dry stuff as much. It's just so good. Huh, see, I haven't read that one yet. I think i got to put that on my list. It is very good, and it's just got so many good principles, um, so much you can use on peacemaking in any relationships. Yeah. And it talks a lot about dealing with children. There's a lot for parenting in there, a lot for marriage. Cool. Um, really good. So Peacemaking for Families by Ken Sandy. Great book. Fantastic. Okay, now we want to talk about ministry. This is the one you came up with. Yeah, ministry. You said, what what ministry book? Right. What ministry book has helped you? You're a minister. I'm a minister. Uh, We've got pastors and pastor's wives and ministry leaders of all kind that will listen to this podcast. So what ministry book has helped you the greatest? And I'm going to do what you did. I'm going to pull two into this, okay? (laughs) So first of all, I would say Purpose Driven Church by Rick Warren was fantastic. Really helped me understand uh, the primary purposes of the church. And one of the things that Rick does when he writes is he really does bring it down to the bottom shelf, and he simplifies. He's very good mm-hmm. simplifying uh, whenever it comes to his teaching, but also when it comes to his writing. So he simplifies and, and boils down to five core principles that the church is supposed to do. But the beautiful concept of that book is talking about balance. How can a church be balanced in all five of these things? And uh, that book was a true help to me in so many ways. The other one then was more personal about mm-hmm. ministry, and that would be lectures to my students. Oh. So this one deals with that, how as a pastor to preach and how as a pastor to pastor and how is a pastor to lead and uh, this book goes back 150 years uh spurgeon wrote this and has been a huge impact on the english-speaking world definitely one of my favorite ministry Confession books. here i've never read a book by spurgeon i've read one of his sermons yeah actually a couple times um lots of quotes yeah got lots yeah. of spurgeon quotes going on but never read a book by him and i remember you talking about how much you love that oh and absolutely how helpful that was yeah so what was it about that book i've that read really it several times what was meant it so much to you? Because you said it was very personal. In the fact. Yeah, it's very personal. It, it feels like you're sitting in a room with a master pastor. Um, you know, <laughs> you feel master like you're, pastor. you're sitting in a room and you're discussing, um, you're hearing timeless principles about pastoring and preaching. Now, now, when I say that, there are aspects, this is going to be true of any pastor trying to help others, that are definitely cultural in and of his time, that have no application to me to this day. For example, he's got an entire uh, uh, chapter on preaching outside, the beauties of preaching in the, in the woods with a congregation listening. He talks about taking a Sunday and bringing the entire congregation into the woods and setting up chairs. And I think, yeah, that doesn't help me. Okay, (laughs) that's not going to work in windy, dusty desert Las Vegas. So there are certain aspects that would not apply, uh, like any pastoral care book or teaching ministers how to minister effectively. But most of it just feels like you've got a master pastor sitting in a room, sitting down with young Mm -hmm. students, lecturing. And um, it's very hard to compare in the next 150 years anything to that book. Mm, that is really good. Yeah. That's a great recommendation. In fact, sometimes I know pastors, pastors' wives looking for um, a mentor almost in ministry. And it sounds like you could get some of those things. I know it's not face-to-face, but some of that personal through mentoring. Writing. Yeah, through writing. Yeah, you that know, book. that book is one of those books that we all had to read in college. You know, I'm sure it was on some kind mm-hmm. of a list. Read it, and you skimmed it real quick so you could make it to the <laughs> soccer game. It's got to be the one you revisit. You go back and actually read this book. Take your time with it, and you are going to find it. The Treasure Trove. And uh, why why it still exists? Now, to this when day. you read it in your head, do you read it in like a British accent? I always read in a British accent. Am I not speaking <laughs> in a British accent right now? <laughs> no. Okay. Not see, at all. I think I, I think I sound British, but nope. this is not British. No. Nope. Oh, okay. Not really. All right. <laughs> all right. For me, uh, I have two ministry ones as well. Um, years ago, let me preface this. I had read so many books. Like I would be given books on ministry by pastors' wives. 
I could name you several of the titles and I cannot tell you how many times there were a disappointment because here I was, this young, eager girl, um, wanted to be in ministry, excited about it, had just married a young pastor and uh, I would read the books and they were all just hating their life, hating ministry. It's all bad. Here's what you got to deal with. And just really sad. Yeah. I would even say a lot of bitter, <laughs> a lot of bitter women right out there. I remember, do you remember back in the day when it was chat rooms online? Yep. I remember even trying to go online for chat rooms because, you know, there was no Amazon. It wasn't as easy to find books. And I remember going on chat rooms, trying to find pastor's wives to learn and grow from them. And again, it was just really sad stuff. Marriages that were falling apart. Very negative. A lot yes. of negativity out there. Yes. Absolutely. So um, when Terry Chapel wrote It's a Wonderful Life, it was probably one of the first books I got to read about ministry yeah. that was presenting it can be a joyous thing. You can have a wonderful marriage. You Ministry is a privilege. It's right. a joy. And I love her. I've heard her teach many times. I love her perspective. And I will be forever grateful. It's one of those things that I don't know if she realizes how much that meant to me. Or to and the others who have read it. Yeah, sure. that it's one of those things that she's always, always and forever going to have a special place in my heart because of her example in ministry and writing that book. So it's Being a wonderful life. Pre present yourself in a positive way and actually view life positively, mm -hmm. ministry positively. It is such a benefit. And to yeah. surround yourself with that kind of teaching is, is hugely important. I could definitely say that. The one that recently I would say, and this is going to surprise some because it's not just about ministry, but I put it on here because it's got to be one of my top book picks ever. It's very practical. It's an easy read, but it was very thoughtful and she brings out so many good aspects and it's one that every woman in ministry, pastor's wife or not, if you're in ministry, if you're a woman, you ought to read this book. If you're a man, you ought to read this book. But it's called The Best Yes by Lisa Turkus. Yes. Now, I've read several others that you've also read. Right. I've read um, Margin. Right. Which is along the same, same lines, and it's thing. good. But this is better. This is better. Yeah. The practicality that she brings out in this book about um, your priorities, your scheduling, Saying yes and no to things, bringing it from a biblical aspect, it's so good. And it has helped me so much in ministry, particularly balancing life in ministry. It's always a prayer request. What do you want to be prayed for in ministry? You ask tons of pastors why is that most of them are going to say balance. Yes. <laughs> this book hits on that so well and helps you realize the fundamental key. I'd say the big takeaway for me is that every no to something is a yes to something else. So instead of looking as I have to say no, no, I'm getting to say, I'm saying no to this so I can say yes to my family here. No, yes. I'm saying no to this so I can say yes to this thing that God has called me to do. Um, so when you see it, it helped me see it as an optimist because I didn't want to say no. Right. I felt bad about that. And, and when I is, see I'm not saying no, I'm saying yes over here. It's a terrible thing to be asked to do something and you desire to do that. Yes. But you realize it's, Which is not, where my heart is. it's not the best thing. It's not the best thing I could be doing with mm. my time right now. Um, I, that is a freeing thought, isn't it? Okay, so yes. the last category we want to discuss uh, We should is, have done this one first because this one's not as spiritual. This one's just more fun. Right. What is your fun book? What What is something that you go to that you enjoy? Now, I liked, we like to now, read Now, I was saying I thought the topic was interesting biography or documentary, so I didn't put anything fiction down. Okay, well, I did. I mean, that's you actually all fiction? I wrote. Yeah, Are I wrote, you serious? Let me tell you who I put. I put oh, man. First of all, I put John Steinbeck. So I got into John Steinbeck. Um, we were teaching somewhere. Oh, we were teaching up in Northern California. We went by Cannery Row, mm -hmm. and I was at a bookstore, and I picked up Cannery Row. I thought, let's read it. Oh, awesome. 
I mean, there's a reason why he's an American classic, right? Uh, yeah. So then I read Grapes of Wrath, and I'm, I'm starting to work my way through. For those through. of you who don't know, he lived in Monterey, California, that right. area. Mm-hmm. And Steinbeck wrote about the people, about California. and it's fun. You can see that area and see where those people he's were. He's a great writer. Yeah. Fantastic writer. So I, I when I have some time, we're, we're going to be going on vacation in June, and I'm going to be getting a Steinbeck book and just reading through it throughout that time, anytime I have a moment to sit down. And I'm looking forward to that. I, I love Steinbeck. I also love The Christmas Carol. You know I read The Christmas Carol every year. And yeah. uh, I, I enjoy that. My kids are sick and tired. They do not want me to read it to them anymore uh, or put it on Audible in the what car. What other Dickens books? Do you ever branch out in the world nope, of Dickens? that's the only one he wrote that's worth anything. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> and I don't believe you believe that, but no, you should branch true. out. I will. So there's my encouragement. What about yours? What about yours? Well, I went with a different thing. I didn't do fiction, but I'm not a huge fiction reader. Right. Um. When I branch outside the realm of Christendom, and I would say I put my categories biography or, or doc, but I went with non-Christian because whew, there's some wonderful Christian biographies like Hiding Place and stuff. I could talk all day about those. I'm putting those in a different category. Okay. All right. So this is non-Christian biography or documentaries. I have two. One is Upstairs in the White House by J.B. Oh, West. Oh, you told me that one. Awesome. It's a thick looking book, so it can look intimidating, but I'm telling you, it's one I couldn't put down and it was larger print, or at least the copy I used from the library was easy to read, and I've recommended it to several women, and I'm telling you, I have had rave reviews from every person I've ever recommended it to. Uh, J.B. West was the butler, the head butler. He ran the White House for about five or six different presidents and their wives. And he especially, the head butler, works largely with the First Lady, and he coordinates, whether it's banquets, housing for guests, everything, decorating the White House, how she wants it refurnished, how she wants to decorate it. This is her partner in crime. <laughs> okay. Nice. So you get a up close. I've read books and documentary things on First Ladies, and they can be boring as all get out. But this man tells you the most fun stories. And what I loved about him is he didn't he didn't share he may have shared some negative things that could be perceived negative, but you could tell he loved and appreciated each couple. And, you know, some of them had great marriages, some of them didn't, and he shares some about that. But you will learn to love the first families. You'll have your favorites. But it is a great read, so fun. The other one I read that has been one of my favorites, and I just couldn't put it down, was a book called Captured. It's by Scott, and I think his last name is Zesh. It's like Z-E-S-C-H. And he's the one that wrote that book I read. It's a true story, I love true stories, about... Uh, children in Texas, German immigrants who who were in Texas, uh, that's an area he focused on because that's where his family was from, who had been captured by Indians, Native Americans. And they actually were calling them white Indians because it tells a story about how many of them would go back to the tribe or stay with the tribe and what what the details of their capture were. He's got, he did all this historical research, but what's fascinating about the way he wrote it, and kudos to Scott because it was not written as just, boom, here's a fact, here's a fact. He wrote it in such a way that it was easy to read, and a lot of it was written um, almost as a story, and then he'd bring out the facts in it. Mm. And it is one of the most fascinating books. It was actually a challenge to me in parenting because of the aspects it brings out that the the Native Americans did very well in some ways. And it's like, why would these children want to stay with them and not have the chance to go back to their family? And you realize that a lot of times the, the Native Americans parented them, in a sense, better. They did a lot of other things that were not well done, but they parented these children. They spent time They with did. Them. They trained them. I even wrote a blog on it on heathertice.com. You can read it about 
the aspects and I share some of the details from that book. But it is just a fun read. It is it will hold your interest if you love historical um, books like that. It is just phenomenal. So that was the ones I put for documentaries or biographies. If you have not yet learned to find good books that speak to you and read consistently, you're missing out so much mm-hmm. in life. And we hope that this episode kind of encouraged you in that direction. And I would say if you have a book that you love, oh yeah, that fell in one of those we'd love to hear from you. Please share that on our Bible Talks Facebook page. Let us know in the comments on this thread what. You love right the Bible talks with Josh and Heather, the Facebook page. That's where we can interact with you, take requests for upcoming episodes, and even answer your questions. There's one thing we'd like you to do before you're done here, and that is simply to write a review. Now, look, I I told you in a few episodes ago that I'd share with you other reviews that have been written on iTunes. Five stars was given by HRS522. Thank you for this five star review and this quote. She says, First of all, I live in India. So congratulations, oh, wow. you are international. Yay, <laughs> we're international. Working as a full-time ministry keeps me very busy uh, giving, but it, it is nice to get some spiritual food during the week through the podcast. I've enjoyed the episodes. They have been informative and helpful to me, as well as giving me some ideas to help in my ministry. Well, we oh, are so awesome. glad to hear Thanks that HRS 522. Thank you for listening. And listen to this next one. This is from Heather Sai. Uh, loving the Bible Talks, five stars. The podcast is entertaining. Sometimes I laugh out loud and educational. <laughs> and I like to play them on the weekends when I'm working in my classroom. Makes uh, the time go by quickly. So thank you for those five-star reviews and mm-hmm. specifically for writing a review, which helps others find this podcast. So one, one thing we want to ask you to do is go on iTunes right now and give us five stars and write it a review. It makes a big difference. We appreciate it. And thanks for listening. Our next podcast, we're going to be talking about the resurrection of Christ, which I think is going to be one that will be so encouraging to your heart. It's going to be an exciting one. I can't wait to take a closer look at that. So thanks for listening. And remember, when the Bible talks, we'd better listen.